What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of The Transition, a show aimed at demystifying the entrepreneur experience for those of you looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs team. In this episode, I interview Don Tobel, an Army veteran and founder of OD Greens, a socially driven company that provides mental health counseling services and workplace training for veterans, leveraging the production of hydroponic produce. Don holds a master's in clinical mental health counseling and spent almost nine years as a mental health counselor with the Department of Veteran Affairs. During this time, Don began experimenting with hydroponic produce as a form of counseling therapy for veterans. By participating in gardening and agricultural activities alongside fellow veterans, he believes he can help veterans quiet their minds or find healing. Don opens up about how he successfully transitioned from serving as a mental health counselor for the VA to working on OD Greens full time. He talks about how he bootstrapped his venture and how it's adapting to the rapidly changing environment of the COVID-19 pandemic. On a personal level, it was a pleasure for me to interview Don, who I met during a small business pitch competition in D.C. in the spring of 2019. At the time, he wasn't working on his venture full time, and it was great for me to learn about how he's grown since then. If you're looking to launch a socially driven venture in a specific niche, then this episode is for you. I hope that you enjoy hearing from Don and that this episode helps accelerate you on your own entrepreneurial journey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of The Transition. Today, we're sitting down with Don Tobel, founder and CEO of OD Greens. What's going on, Don? Not much, Mike. Thanks for having me. Man, thanks for joining us on the platform, man. Super excited to uh, have you. So for our audience out there, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, like like you said, Mike, my name is Don Tobel. I am uh, the founder of OD Greens. Um, OD Greens is basically a hydroponic farm. And what we do is we uh, work with transitioning veterans and service members to get them the skills they, that they really need in order tra to transition from the military mindset into the civilian workforce. Dude, that's awesome. And uh, listen, me and Don met, matter of fact, at a Street Shares pitch competition. We were pitching for 25K down in uh, Washington, D.C. It was a crazy competition, too, right? Man, talk about uh, not living up to expectations or totally blowing expectations out of the water. Pitching at a bar, open yeah, bar. We, yeah, we did oh. pitch at a bar. It was crazy. It was um. And that that so we did this competition, right? We applied for the pitch competition yeah. and the way you made it to the finals that they took top three to pitch for 25K. We had to literally go ham on our social media for like, was it like a month or two weeks? It, it felt like a year. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was long. it was long. Never again. I never want to do one of those competitions where people have to vote for you. Yep. Um, because I just remember watching you, man. You, you skyrocketed to the front. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that I can uh, cross political uh, positions off of my to-do list for sure. I don't ever want to uh, politic for anything like that again. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I got lucky. I had a, a TV spot. They uh, put me on the local news here in Cleveland. Uh, and, and that's, I think, what really pushed me ahead. I had a lot of friends come out of the woodwork, support me on that. Lots and lots of friends, old and new. That's awesome, man. And it was cool hanging out with you and Brett um, down in uh, D.C., just kind of getting to interact with other veteran entrepreneurs. You know, uh, we were the only ones there really just kind of like pitching. So, yep. um, uh, man, were you nervous at all? Uh, when I saw what we were getting into, yeah. Uh, cause I, I think like anything, you have this expectation in your mind. And then when it wasn't what I had envisioned, I had envisioned like a, 
uh, a hall or like a lecture hall, you know, something like that. And you'd be up on stage and kind of telling your story and everybody would be tuned in. But uh, open bar has a, a way of changing people's <laughs> listening yeah. skills and, and the approach. So, yeah, once I saw what we were going to be uh, thrown into, I, I, I really got taken off guard and I got nervous in that. Yeah, we pitched and literally guys were drinking whiskey. It was called bourbon. So they were literally handing out bourbon and beer and people were, you know, twisted. And uh, we got up there and we pitched, but it was still a good time. Um, it's always a fun just to, I mean, at the end of the day, we all walked away with cash prizes, got to meet new people. And uh, we're sitting here today thanks to that that event because that's yeah, how I got absolutely. to get a hold of you. Yeah, yeah. There's de definitely no regrets. I, I liked, uh, I took third place and uh, learned a lot from both you and Brett and uh, great experiences and great networking came from all of that. So if anybody gets the opportunity to go to Burbiz, one of their events, take advantage of that opportunity. It's all positive stuff happening. So uh, get us up to speed where you're at with uh, OD Greens. What's going on in your life right now? Yeah, so Mike, when we originally met uh, about a year and a half or so ago, um, I was still working my nine to five. Uh, I was a vocational rehab counselor with the VA at that time, and uh, I was doing OD Greens on the side and just trying to like manage both those things uh, plus family and all that. And uh, since then, I actually left my nine to five at the VA and transitioned into OD Greens full time. Uh, so March 13th, I left my job. And then here in the state of Ohio, every business shut down. I think it was March 15th or 16th. So curveball, right? You know, just on the fly again. And, you know, it's analogous to what we were just talking about with Burbiz. You, you got to stay flexible. You got to be able to pivot. You got to stay on your toes. And, you know, the more I do this, the more I like that. So that's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm investing full time into OD Greens and, and trying to make this work. I'm pivoting. Uh, I'm trying to pitch some new uh, new counseling types of things uh, to to supposed clients and whatnot. But um, I think that nobody knows what to do with all of this right now. And uh, we're, we're figuring it out as we go. So that's, that's kind that's of a cool feeling. Man, that's what we do as veterans. We improvise, adapt, and overcome. Oh, but did y'all... Yeah. Did y'all hear that, y'all? My man quit his job, went full time, and then literally like two days later, the economy was like, "There's a global pandemic." But you know, and, and like you said, I think that veterans specifically are are geared for that. So, like, if it was easy and it was everything that you'd expect every step along the way, uh, we're not living up to our full potential. And then uh, you know, it's it's almost like it's too easy. So we need a challenge. So. You know, if I came out of the gate, quit my job and, you know, I was making like uh, all my clients and doing all my sales and that's too easy. It's like we were talking about, though, before um, we went, we hit record, man. There's never a perfect time. That's like yeah. the biggest myth. You just have to work with the time you have. Right. You have that window. And if it doesn't work out, you try again a little bit later. But there really never is any perfect time. And um, I was even thinking about that myself. Like, I don't know about you, but this pandemic has really tested me as a leader in terms of like finding out stuff about myself to lead in such an uncertain environment, even more so than war. Yeah. Yeah. It's a total gut check. Um, and I mean, I've, I've kind of got this mantra in my mind now, like I I've got two options, make it or make it. That's it. Like, <laughs> like there are no other options. And you know, to be clear, and, and I don't want to send the wrong message to, to people who are trying to get into entrepreneurship and, and do their own thing. Like there's a lot of buildup to that day where you leave the nine to five. Don't, don't yeah. get me wrong. Like don't just go out and quit your job because, Hey, you believe in yourself. That's great and all, but I bootstrapped my business 
through the money that I was getting paid in my nine to five, you know? So don't, don't just, uh, go into it, you know, haphazardly and, and, and forget about that revenue stream that you may need to get your business up and running and successfully. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for sharing that too. And that's one of the reasons we want to do this podcast. We want to pull the the curtain back and let people see what it really takes to go from idea to invoice. You know, Um, that's a strategy. So many entrepreneurs think that they have to jump in right away, but you really do need, especially when you're bootstrapping, you're going to need some cash to purchase products and materials and cover, you know, basic living expenses. And so you got to get creative with that. I like to, I'm like Steve Harvey these days, man. I got more jobs than Steve Harvey. There's <laughs> Stephen A. Smith, you know, from ESPN, he's always on this show, that show. Said everything. You know, in a pandemic, that's what you got to do. It's just stay alive. Keep the dream alive. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, uh, and there's never going to be an opportune time. Like you were saying too, you can try to plan for every contingency, a global pandemic was not one of the things I thought I was going to be dealing with on the day that I left my job. And that's just the way that it is. So you're never going to be able to plan for the best time. You're never going to have the best time. Um, it's, it's just something that you have to adapt and overcome to as it comes at you. So we got a lot of listeners in right now. Um, some of our listeners may have launched their own businesses, veterans, military spouse. Some of them are thinking about launching it, but they see people mm-hmm. like me and you out here in the fight and they can be, they can imagine that they could never do that or that they, you know, we look larger than life to a lot of them. Why don't you take <laughs> off your armor a little bit for our audience and let them know something you're struggling with as a small business owner, uh, whether personally or professionally. Yeah, a couple of things. I had a conversation the other day with somebody about this. And, you know, I get the comments all the time. Like, hey, Don, it looks like you're doing really well with OD Greens. You're killing it out there. I'm like, thanks. I really appreciate that. And, you know, you stay humble. But they only see a small glimpse, number one. So they see what's on social media. And I, and I told them, I'm like, you guys see this. This is the image that I create. I don't post the stuff that sucks, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it looks, it looks like I'm just, yeah, killing yeah. it all the time. But yeah. no, I mean, it's, it's blood, sweat, tears and, and everything in between, you know? So, um, yeah, don't forget about all that. There are no overnight successes. There was a lot of stuff that went into this leading up to the successes and even the successes aren't all there all the time right now. So that's one thing to be said. Yeah. People see when people see us at events, you know, we got our little branding up and it's like, it's so cool. How are we able to do this? But nobody sees it when it's like breaking down. You got like product loading in the back of station wagons, you know, taking it back home underneath your bed, sweating yeah. up the day before. It's just yeah. such a hustle. So that's yeah. what I want y'all to know. Like, no matter what you see from any entrepreneur, see all of us as entrepreneurs, all of us that have kind of taken that leap, especially those of us that are doing the full time to the outside world. We're like, how's everything going, man? It's going great, man. You know, but to each other, I see Don, I'm like, how's it going, man? It's going. <laughs> we just kind of give each other that head nod, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, we know. <laughs> There's got- a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah it's like, but we can relate because we're all in it and we're all in the fight. And hopefully with the support of this podcast and some of the programming off about Bunker Labs, you all will be too. So with that being said, let's jump into uh, a shout out to Bunker Labs because this show is actually brought to you all by Bunker Labs. A national network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs dedicated to helping the military connected community start their own business. We're committed to seeing that every entrepreneur in the military connected community has the network tools and resources they need to start their own business. 
25% of transitioning service members want to start a business and they need places inside their community where they can where they can connect with the people, resources, and support they need to start and grow their businesses. We're here for them. You can learn more by visiting www.bunkerlabs.org. Be sure to also sign up for Bunker Online, our social network for the military-connected community where Bunker Lab staff help make introductions to increase your opportunities. Register today at www.bunkeronline.org. All right, Don, take us back. Let us know about when you didn't get into the Marines and you had to settle for the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, um, no, let's hear about your transition from the military to becoming an uh, entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that uh, the, the real, uh, I guess, impetus behind me pursuing the path that I have really came within the military itself. Um, when I was in, in the army, you know, uh, over overseas in Iraq, um, we, our job was basically to escort convoys. So we were gun truck company. And one of the things that I guess came to me and was kind of placed into my lap was after we would do a mission or whatever, and, and people were struggling or having a hard time, they would come to me just as like kind of a, uh, sounding board to like decompress or I guess, um, kind of wrap their head around what was going on and what it was that we were doing. So that's really, I think, what gave me the motivation to pursue mental health in general. So uh, when I got out of the Army in uh, 2009, um, finished my bachelor's degree. I was a teacher for five years. I taught chemistry and physics, and I just had this draw to come back to the, uh, the, the veteran community and, and, and the military community. And so when I pursued my master's degree, it was in clinical mental health counseling based upon the things I told you about what happened overseas. And like people were coming to me, not because I was going out to pursue them or asking them to, uh, you know, decompress to me, but they would actively seek me out. So, you know, just kind of being in tune with those things and, and noticing those kinds of patterns um, says maybe you have a skill or a gift uh, that that might give you an edge in life once you do transition. So. Like I said, I finished my bachelor's degree, finished my master's degree, uh, taught for five years, and then I went into private practice for a little bit with mental health. And then uh, I, I got a job at the VA doing uh, vocational rehabilitation. And uh, that, again, was a connection back to the, the veteran and service member military community. And I knew that that's where I wanted to be. But then entrepreneurship was appealing to me because then I didn't have to necessarily operate within rules and regulations set by somebody else. So I had the flexibility and a little bit of the creativity to approach it from a different way. So with my business, I, I take on mental health and I use hydroponic farming as a platform for mental health. So we create analogies and metaphors and things inside the farm. You know, you can do everything right with the plants, right? You can measure, uh, your, your nutrients perfectly, your temperature perfectly, pH, everything's perfect. You did it all spot on. But then your plants die. Maybe it was something outside of your control. Maybe it was just something that you can adapt for uh, later on. Maybe you didn't measure everything perfectly. So how do you pick yourself up from that setback and how do you continue to move forward? And so with plants, it's kind of like a small loss. And so what we want to do is kind of train the brain to deal with those small things so that we can build up to maybe bigger things. Everything isn't going to go the way we anticipate it to go or the way that we want it to go. And so sometimes veterans that I have worked with uh, within the VA, 
they have this little setback to us, to, to me outside looking in, it's little, but to them, it's huge, right? So giving them the training and the skills that they need in order to cope with that and strategize a new plan of attack and to be able to pick themselves up and continue to move forward towards the big picture rather than this micro picture that they're so focused on at the time. That's, that's really what my business does. That's so awesome, man. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast because, you know, uh, I think especially just being creative, like you've identified a problem that you saw with like in the veteran space and thinking of a different medium to reach out and help transition and veterans deal with the, you know, mental health issues, you know, um, for what you do is very similar to what I do in the sense of, you know, I use boxing as a vehicle. Boxing yeah. is my medium to communicate yeah. with youth and young adults in the inner city. And then you've come up with farming, hydroponic farming as a way to connect with, 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 uh, veterans around mental health and just yeah. take the little lessons, lessons and nuances that people might not notice or appreciate, but connecting it to a, a source of, um, how was the word I'm using to describe this? A, a place of healing and growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think the medium matters. I mean, so boxing is one way. Farming is another way. Weightlifting, um, just physical activity, running. Uh, I hate running. I'm not going to do it. But I think what the underlying moral of the story is, is that we need to be creative and uh, approach some of these old problems in different ways. Right. So having uh, more tools in the toolbox, you know, that that thing that we hear all the time. You know, what works for, for Mike isn't going to work for Don. And what works for Don isn't going to work for Joe, whoever, you know. So um, if, if I can appeal to one person or two people, good. That, that's what I'm here to do. You know, I'm not here to necessarily say, okay, every veteran that's transitioning needs to come and do work at the farm. And this is the answer to whatever. It, it, it's probably not for everybody. But again, if I can reach one, two, three, you know, however many people, then I think that that's a success. So I didn't ask, what was your MOS in the army? <laughs> so that's two questions, you know, like what is my MOS or what was my MOS and what did I actually do? You know, so, yeah. <laughs> so truck driver, 88 Mike was my, uh, uh, my MOS. So that, you know, basically special forces right now. Pretty uh, much. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, no. So 88 Mike. And then, like I said, we went over to Iraq, we became gun truck company and that's, that's what we did. So, yeah, yeah I, I was, uh, uh, I had a mobile platoon when I was in Afghanistan. So I know yeah. the hustle from <laughs> convoys and long nights and just yeah. craziness. Yeah. It, again, it's, it's really uh, a good parallel between like all of this. Like you, you kind of made that, that connection before too, where, you know, combat's one thing and entrepreneurship can almost be like even more daunting because there are just as many unknowns. Granted, it's not life or death, but just as many unknowns and, and, and permutations of a situation. And how long did you do in the army? So my entire enlistment was eight years. So National Guard was uh, 2001 to uh, 04, active duty 0405, and then back to inactive uh, reserve after that. Got it. Yep. So a lot of our listeners out there, let's take it back. Let's peel it back. How did you go? So I know you got this idea, right? How did you go from idea to invoice around OD Greens? Because a lot of us, you know, we have these ideas, but it's like, what is the next step? What do I got to take to actually make this happen? Where's the capital coming from to get started? Yeah. Because and I live in Newark, New Jersey, and there's aero farms here. And when I think of hydroponic farms, I'm thinking like big VC money, you know, yeah. <laughs> warehouses. But you've yeah. done something really cool and niche and unique. And just how did that, that happen? So 
<laughs> um, two answers to that, I think. Uh, number one, I got hooked up with SCORE, and the mentors that I had with SCORE were fantastic. I started with one, and then they grew to three a three-guy team that, that was working with me. Um, so they were fantastic. They kind of gave me the, the checklist, right? So I've never done anything with business. I don't have a business background. Uh, I'm not a serial entrepreneur or anything like that. So I had no idea where to even start. So I got hooked up with SCORE. And they basically gave me, again, the checklist to say, hey, you need, get, you need to do this, you need to do that, that, the next thing. Okay, cool. While I was kind of following their checklist, I, I started small with my business. So I, I developed and built a small pilot hydroponic system basically in my basement or literally in my basement um, with my wife's approval, of course. <laughs> and I can't believe she said yes. What are you doing down there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She said yes. So I, I built it. And uh, basically what I did with the pilot system was test the market. And uh, I was growing a whole bunch of different things, as many different things as I possibly could in the hydroponic system in my basement. And I was sampling it out to different restaurants and, and, uh, and stores and individual clients. And that was really my way of testing you know, is there demand for what it is that I'm doing on the produce front? The guys at SCORE said, hey, well, when you unroll this thing, maybe it would be in your best interest to unroll it in two phases. Because again, I was still working at the VA. I wanted to do counseling with veterans, and that probably would have been a conflict of interest. So what I did is I enrolled it in phase one, which was the hydroponic growing and selling the produce to stores and restaurants and clients. And that's what I was doing while I was still working at the VA. Now I've transitioned over into the counseling component of it all, um, and that's why I had to leave my, my job with the VA to avoid that conflict of interest. So um, very strategic way of kind of navigating from a small pilot up through commercial grow operation up to the counseling component of it all, too. Yeah, that's great. And that's great feedback for our audience, especially around getting a pilot going, getting that beta product going that yeah. you can actually learn and grow with before you actually invest everything, you know, go all yeah. in. You got to test, right? Like business is like, what's the word? Like the uh, dang, scientific method, yeah, you know, sure. hypothesis and test it before you, you know, you really go all in and invest all kind of crazy money. But well, before we keep moving forward, uh, for our listeners, SCORE stands for Service Corps of Retired Executives. So it's a program run by the SBA where mm -hmm. a lot of retired executives will sit down and help you you know, do your business plan. And outside of SCORE, you know, we have Bunker Labs, which I'm associated with, which is really veteran focused and um, will really help you get to that next level. So I just want to make sure our audience knew what SCORE was. Yeah. And, and I got connected with Bunker Labs here in Ohio, too. Unfortunately, we don't have one up in Cleveland, but we have one in Columbus. And uh, um, they did a, a Bunker Brew up here in Cleveland yep. oh, about a year and a half ago. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I hang around with a lot of Marines. So a Marine buddy of mine, he uh, he's from Pittsburgh. Again, another reason I don't know why I hang out with the guy. But uh, he invited me to a Bunker Brew in Cleveland, and it was a whole entrepreneurship week here in Cleveland. It was another great event, uh, veteran-centric entrepreneur event. Um, there's just so many outlets out there for us. And if you haven't attended one, even just to go and observe and, and take in information, you need to do it. You just need to do it. There's just some energy about being around other entrepreneurs, you know, that feeling of like, hey, I'm not in this alone. And then also the fact of like that we have these kind of programs for us in the veteran military community. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to be able to have similar stories in the background, you know, not all of us have the same stories, but 
all of us can relate on some level to our with our service. So that that's a good way to just kind of create that empathy uh, between people that are at these events anyways. Absolutely. So when I'm thinking about building a hydroponic farm in my basement, I'm feeling like that's going to be very capital intensive. You know, how much did you have to spend to get this thing up and going? How are you able to get all the equipment and all whatnot? Uh, I was literally slinging hammers and repurposing pallets when I did my first system. <laughs> so it was yeah. like it was like next to nothing. I mean, and that was the idea of it. I didn't want to put a whole lot into it if it was just going to be a big failure or flop, you know. So um, when, when you go to... Uh, to, to kind of pitch your uh, your product, if you have a product and you take that to a store or a restaurant or whatever, I feel you should be able to give them something right then and there. You yeah. know, um, they don't want to hear about theoretical stuff. They want to actually know what you're doing and be able to see, taste, feel, whatever, smell uh, the stuff that you're growing. And and so that was my idea behind it. So I, like I said, I, I built uh, my initial project from scratch. Um, I got a little bit of positive feedback. I said, okay, well, let me kick this up a notch. So I kicked it up to a, uh, a prefabricated system. Um, it was all together. It fits in like eight square feet. And I was able to do quite a bit of produce out of there to support maybe two restaurants at that time. Um, and, and in eight square feet. So in, in, in New Jersey, New York City, you guys got plenty of room to do that. <laughs> you refurbish something though. You refurbish like a, a quadcon or something. So right now I'm growing uh, commercially in a Conex box, basically. Yeah, Conex box. Yeah, so I didn't refurbish that. That was a product that I then bought. So that was like basically, uh, I guess, iteration three of my phase one. So um, that was the big purchase that I made in 2018. Uh, Freight Farms was the company that I purchased uh, that, that piece of equipment from. And it, it came all fitted with the equipment, the LED grow lights, um, the grow towers, um, the computer systems, the auto dosers, the application. So I can log into my phone and check in the farm, even if I'm not on the farm. So that's a cool piece too. Um, but yeah, we're growing in uh, 320 square feet. It's a 40 foot container, eight and a half uh, feet tall, eight feet wide. So 320 square feet, we do two and a half acres of produce. You got to check out his Instagram, y'all. It uh, You can see it. It's pretty cool, man. I'm telling you, it's like, and I, especially in Newark, we got a lot of these lots around here. And mm-hmm. I think stuff like that is like the future of, you know, just leveraging space, just getting creative, thinking outside the box. Yeah, especially, you know, food deserts and, and, and areas that uh, have a high density of people who are food insecure. I mean, we could stack these things up and you know, you go vertically, you don't change your footprint. So you can do two and a half acres, five acres, seven and a half acres in 320 square feet, you know? So it, it makes sense. It makes sense in an, an area like yours. It makes sense in the uh, the Great Lakes region where I'm at because we're not dumping all that uh, fertilizer on top of the field to have it run off into the lakes. So that's a big problem where I'm at here because we get the algae blooms in Lake Erie and it's just uh, environmental issue with all the farming that happens here. Yeah. So when you were like selling this product, like your, your greens to the restaurants, what was that like? Like, hey, I'm a former army guy. I'm growing stuff in my basement. I would love yeah. to sell it to your restaurant. Yeah. Uh, so if, if you're not familiar with Simon Sinek. Um, yeah, start with the why. Yeah, that's I stole that from him. And that's a, a key piece to steal as much as you can from people who have an idea of what they're talking about. And so that was it. I started with the why. And basically, I told him my story and kind of the story I told you guys today. Um, you know, this is where I come from. This is 
what I did. And I think that what I want to do can help these guys transition. And we just happen to get something that everybody needs and that's good, healthy produce um, out of it. So if I can have a, a, a main mission that helps to support these men and women as they transition, why wouldn't you want to support that mission and get good produce, hyper-local produce in the process? Is it pretty complicated in terms of like from growing the stuff to getting it inside the restaurant? Um, complicated as far as like, um, keep it, making sure you don't run out of greens, you know, making sure you have enough <laughs> supply and demand. Yeah. I mean, like anything, it's, it's a learning curve. So I've been doing it commercially for a year and a half now. Um, and you, you have fluctuations. I mean, even though we are controlling pretty much every variable we can control, um, like I said before, you can't ever 100% guarantee that one crop's not going to fail. And, and so it, it does vary. So as you do your inventory, you kind of account for that, you know, 10 or 15% loss. And then whatever else you have extra, you can get out to the community. Uh, what we do is uh, a CSA, which, is, which stands for Community Supported Agriculture. So basically, it's a subscription for produce. If somebody doesn't come and pick up their produce or I'm over on inventory, then what we can do is we, we donate that food back to the community for people who need it. Awesome. So for your, your other component, right? So your social enterprise, right? You got the greens going. How have you managed to balance the social piece around the veterans? What, what's their role with this? How were you developing that? Were you kind of creating this approach yourself? Were you looking at other research that was something similar? You know, how were you able to get momentum going on that end? I think all of the above, like I'm, I'm just like a, a data junkie. So I like to, to, to pull as many avenues in as I can and, and really try to dial in my process, but understand that it's not going to be perfect for everybody. So as long as I'm comfortable in my process in helping other people, you know, I, I think that that's. 85% of the battle. And then those people that come into the farm are going to meet me where I'm at in, in regards to the other piece of the business, if that makes sense. So like they understand that we want to get produce out and that's a part of the business. But what they don't understand is that that's not a, a, a main piece of my business. My business is to make sure that you as the veteran are showing up, you're showing up on time, you're doing what you're told, playing nicely with others. You know, those are, those are the five essential skills that you have to have or four essential skills you have to have no matter what job you have in life, whether you're uh, a greeter at Walmart or a neurosurgeon, you have to be able to do those things. And so that's what really drives me is it's not the produce and it's not the sales of the produce. It's the end product of the veteran and how they have grown those skills. How has it been challenging branding around that? Because I know for me, right, like I just got done reading a book. I forgot mm -hmm. what's the name. What are you for? What know what you're for? A growth strategy for work and an even better strategy for life by Jeff Henderson. Mm -hmm. and one of the things he talks about is uh, two questions are important for a brand. What do you want to be known for, as yeah. in like your company and your branding right. internally? But what do people actually know you for? <laughs> right. I mean, I'll give example: Ironbound Boxing. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm think I'm pretty close to be honest because I started my brand as a way to impact the local community, getting kids off the streets and in the gym. That's what I want to be known for. I would also argue that that's what people know me for. Now, I have a for-profit arm around Ironbound Boxing where I teach boxing to companies 
the New York City metro area. But I'm very cognizant, especially now with all the things that are going on, the economic hardships, the racial unrest. It's like the most important thing. And the reason I started what I'm doing was to help kids in the inner city. But mm-hmm. balancing that with the for profit messaging, I know can get confusing for some people. Right. Yeah. And, and I would be remiss to say that I don't struggle with that a little bit. Um, at the end of the day, and, and I guess let me answer that in like two parts again. So at the end of the day, I don't care what the public views my business as, as long as I'm doing the work that I set out to do. So they know me for being well, the lettuce guy and that I have a really good product and that they can't go back to store-bought stuff ever. And that's fine because, I mean, they don't, they don't necessarily need to know the intricate details of the counseling work that we do inside the walls. Right. Um, so with that being said, they all know that when they purchase my produce, that that dollar that they spend with me helps them in some helps veterans in some way in their transition. So I, I, I don't think that the details are overly important to my produce clients. They just know that they get a good product, a really good product, and they're going to spend more money for it. And in their mind, that's cool because they're giving back and they're helping my main mission, right? So with branding, I've, I've really got two separate brands. The one that I have here, which kind of represents my, my produce business. And then the one that's on like my email um, footer, it's the counseling piece. So it's a totally different brand. So like I kind of compartmentalized both brands. This represents the produce and the other represents the counseling. So back to the second part of the answer. During COVID, I, I struggled because, number one, there was a ramp up in the demand for produce. And when I set out, for, set out to, to really take this on full time, I always said to myself that I'm going to let the counseling dictate the expansion of the farming. So example, if I can provide service for six veterans with one farm, until I get to seven veterans, I won't go out and make my farming operation any bigger because I want the counseling piece to drive the expansion of the farm, not the other way around. And, you know, it went back and forth in my mind. There's this tug of war saying, okay, I know now with COVID and, and this increased demand for hyper local produce, I could manage two farms, but then I'm getting away from what my main mission is. So I can only stretch myself so thin to manage being able to manage two whole farms and I'm managing one right now, I would double my workload in just farm management. Plus I would have to manage the people and the counseling in farm one and farm two eventually. And that's not where I'm at right now in my growth phase. So to come back to what you were saying, yeah, I know what I set out to do. I, I don't know necessarily that it's important that everybody in the world sees my brand and understands what it is that I'm doing. Yeah, as long as it's important to you and you have a sense of purpose, because at the end of the day, we're the ones that have to wake up and go to war with our businesses in the midst of COVID and employ people and take care of our families and make sure we have income coming in. As a social entrepreneur, when you were initially pitching this business idea, even to the score executives and, you know, I don't know if you did any pitch competitions where people getting it, where you getting pushback and saying, hey, you should focus on this and not that. Um, because I know for me, I had to just make a decision. I just stopped pitching. I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna get it anyway. 
because they, they tell you, oh, you're like, we're making a decision to leave margins on the table so we can impact people's lives. A lot right. of people don't have that. They can't, they're, they don't do that. They just chase the profit. But me and you are comfortable saying, hey, we were okay with leaving a little profit on the table as long yep. as we're able to make the impact that we started for in the first place. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I, I got some pushback because um, with hydroponic produce, you know, it's in high demand and it's going to, I guess, require a higher price just because of the, the process that, that goes into it and growing it. So my prices are competitive. I mean, so if you go to the store and you price out your lettuce or your, your herbs and greens and whatever, they're competitive. And in my original business plan, I wrote that as a break even because I'm not trying to maximize my profits with the produce piece because like I just said, I'm not a produce business. You know, I'm a, a counseling business that has hyper local, high quality produce as a natural byproduct of the work that we do. So um, that when you're talking to business people, that doesn't always mesh real well that what you're not out to maximize your profits. That doesn't make sense. Well, no, because that's not what the mission of my business is. And so I'm willing to not take that just so that I can get the produce out the door because I don't want 30 pounds of lettuce in my refrigerator every week, you know? So the veterans, you think they saw the connection that they, are you you have any stories of like a veteran that's really, you can just see the wheels turning. You're seeing them benefit from the therapeutic approach of hydroponic farming. So yeah, when I first started out, so, um, and, and I'll use myself as an example, because then I don't have to do like disclosures or anything like that. Right. So as you guys know, I'm a veteran and I'm a, a farmer and I work inside the farm. My main farm hand was my dad when I first started this thing up and he's an army veteran himself. And the conversation that we would have about both of our services during different times, my dad's Vietnam era, I was Iraq and both army. So this was a, a, a connection that my dad and I had inside the farm that we never had outside of there. So it was dad and son throughout life. But when we were in the farm, it was two army guys just trading stories and, you know, building that rapport and building that respect for what he did and what I did. And just that, that, that mutualistic type of relationship that, that, that you start to have inside there, I think is one of those things that we as veterans always try to refill in our lives, that, that, that sense of camaraderie. Everybody that gets out, they always feel like, man, I want to do it again, but I want to do it with the same guys because I miss those guys the most. You know, that's, that's what's really happening again inside the farm. So you get a bunch of these, these veterans in there, none of it, nobody has the same story and it can be totally different eras but you have similar backgrounds and similar stories and that, 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 that commonality is that source of empathy, you know? So that was my personal. <laughs> no, that, that makes complete sense, man. You spend a lot of time bonding with people. Like again, me and you boxing gym, I'm yeah. in the gym six days a week with kids, you know, you're getting to know them on an intimate level there. It's you become like family and you're right. So right. many veterans are missing out on that connection piece because they just they're kind of let out into the wild, right? Like you don't have your tribe and you, you know, they, they, they have trouble recreating the experience and you now they go work for corporate America or they work their, you know, part-time job or whatever to go to school and they just don't have the same camaraderie. So it's amazing that you've been able to recreate that through something that's true to you. And then that story of you and your dad, that's your brand, you know, 
that's mm-hmm. how it the foundation of it and uh it's just really cool to see yeah and, and it's fun i mean it's a fun process too so like i have a good time doing it um it's not work for me you know and, and that's that's what i think we're all out to do you know to 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 create something that's our own and it's not a daunting thing that i have to check in and check out at the end of the day i look forward to conversations that i have with guys inside the farm and and experiences that uh, they had and I had. And, and it's just that that thing that we we're talking about is the camaraderie. You know, that that is the thing that most of us miss the most. So you talked about um, pivoting. You're like, hey, the yeah. pandemic hit and you've had to pivot a lot, especially <laughs> with restaurants closing down. Talk to yeah. us about how you have managed to pivot your business and stay alive, stay in the fight, especially when so many small businesses are hurting right now, especially right. The, the, the restaurant industry. Right. Yeah. So restaurant industry, again, that's why, again, I didn't hold a lot of weight into marketing towards restaurants per se. Um, I think that having a connection to the community is probably a stronger sense of belonging and a better fit for my business, the, the produce piece of my business, because I can look my customer in the eye. They know that myself or one of the veterans that, that's working with me has been the one, the one or two people that have handled their produce. So they like knowing that. They like knowing their farmer. And I think that it serves me and the veterans that work with me to be able to make that connection directly to the community too. So what we've done is we pivoted kind of away from restaurants and towards community members. Um, So going back to the community supported agriculture program, basically, again, the subscription for produce, it's a, a a prepay arrangement. So three months, six months, 12 months, uh, prepaid produce. It provides us in the farm with working capital up front. And then basically every week that community member gets a, a share, which is comprised of three to six heads of lettuce and some basil each week. And, uh, it's, it's again, one of those mutualistic types of arrangements where they benefit uh, and then we benefit because we have that working capital um, right up front. So that was one pivot, you know, trying to get towards more of the CSAs and away from some of the restaurants because restaurants have a lot of unknowns right now. And they're probably not positioned right now to be spending uh, a higher dollar amount on produce either. Uh, so that's kind of how I pivoted with the produce piece of it. With the counseling piece, I mean, everything's this now. It's uh, it's Skype and it's telecounseling and it's not in person. And that's problematic when you're doing a work therapy <laughs> type of uh, scenario. So what I did is, okay, with COVID, what's happening? Well, everybody is working remotely or through some kind of telecommunication means, right? So what I did was develop an online program that is basically a telework assessment. So it allows us to assess people's same skills that I talked about before, showing up, showing up on time, having accountability, playing nicely with others, but in a remote setting. So you give them tasks throughout the week. Each task has, uh, I guess, a time value allotted to it. The veteran shows up to staff meetings, quote unquote, staff meetings uh, for accountability. And then if they're able to complete the tasks that I put out in front of them, you know, that shows that they are able to, uh, number one, complete tasks, or if they're struggling, ask for guidance on those tasks as they are attempting to complete them. So their ability to communicate too. So that's kind of how I pivoted away from just being in person and hands-on directly, 
but going off the idea that all of us are working remotely now. So now I can reach more veterans, maybe veterans who are um, so severely disabled that their limitations won't allow them to leave their home. Just because they can't leave their home doesn't mean they can't work. So why aren't we assessing that individual's abilities? Or maybe a veteran, uh, for whatever reason, doesn't have a license, uh, a driver's license, uh, or their transportation insecure. So they, they can't get to and from a workplace regularly, um, like somebody that has uh, the ability to drive does. That doesn't mean that they don't have the skills necessary to work. It just means that they can't get there. So let's create an environment where they don't have to um, rely on transportation to do the work that, that needs to be done. So they can work remotely. We should be assessing for that too. So that's kind of how I've pivoted in two ways um, with the whole COVID thing. Um, just staying flexible and and creative during all of it and addressing needs. I mean, it's entrepreneurship 101, identifying a problem and addressing that problem uh, with some reasonable solution. So I got to ask you, how have you managed your mental health in the midst of COVID <laughs> running a business and being responsible for people? Is yeah, it yeah. For you, I can answer on my end. Yeah. Do you want me to call my wife and ask? Because uh, yeah. it's better outside looking in. <laughs> no, I, you know, I stay uh, working closely with my psychologist and that's important. Um, I'm in the mental health field and I know the importance of it and I don't want to be a hypocrite and I know that I need help a lot of times. So I reach out to my therapist and she helps me get through some of the things that I'm struggling with. Sometimes when they're right there in front of you, you have a hard time seeing them and you need somebody to help you through that and identify that so that you can take it on. It's never going to get addressed if you continue to overlook it. So yeah, yeah continue to get the help that you need to get and reaching out to, to, to people like yourself. Um, you reaching out to me, this is this is therapeutic for me too, because maybe somebody will reach out to me through all this. And that's that one person that I need to make contact with. Absolutely, man. You, know? you can't go through this stuff alone. Even if it's just having a cohort, having some accountability, buddy, yeah. you can lean on to kind of get through this stuff. You know, I podcast, I meditate, I do all that stuff. Yep. Um, it's been super helpful. Um, but I, it's important. We talk about the mental health piece because man, America is hurting right now. And I know there are a lot of veterans that are transitioning out yeah. that were already stressed about that piece or people that got let go of their jobs. And so I honestly believe that the need for what you're doing is going to be increase exponentially um, yeah. that mental health component. Well, you know, I, in, in session, a lot of times, Mike, too, I make the analogy when you're on a flight, um, an airplane, you know, they go through the safety briefing and they always tell you to put your mask on before you help others. Right. And that's so you don't become a, a, a casualty, right? So you have to take care of yourself in order to effectively help other people. And if you're not constantly doing a personal inventory and and, and being self-vigilant, you know, um, keeping yourself in check, talking with your spouse, loved ones, people around you, because they're going to be the best litmus test for how it is that you really are doing, because they pick up on the things that you might not be aware of. Yeah, no. Hundred percent. So when we were at Burbiz, right, we we're pitching, and I remember you were saying like, "No, I'm not. I'm not working on my venture full time." And yet, how does it feel to know you had the guts to get your business to where you can actually do it full time? 
<laughs> so yeah, this is one of those loaded questions. We're like, yeah, you had the guts, or just you're nuts about it. So it's like, it's you one of those. When you're on the other side of this. You're like, dang man, I wish I could just. That's the dream, right? Like just to be yeah. able to just work on your venture full time, right? The money yeah. will come. We don't make a lot of money. You know, we're hustling and bootstrapping. Small yeah. owners don't make that much money, not right away, unless right. you're like that good. But a lot yeah. of us are bootstrapping. We're duct taping our ventures together. But yep. to be able to actually jump in and make it happen, you know, it, it was totally liberating. Um, there was I, I had a social media post the day I left my nine to five. And uh, in Cleveland, we've got this piece of what we call art uh, called the free stamp. And I went in front of the free stamp and the, the post was freedom. And it truly felt like absolute freedom because I can set my schedule you know, to a point where I, I still have to deal with clients and, and, and buyers and I want this to be successful. So I have to do things, but I know that I have the accountability, the, the self-discipline to continue to drive this thing forward. And like I said before, it's, it's make it or make it. And if I by chance don't, that's me and I'm going to own it. I can't blame anybody else. It's me, you know, and that's a cool feeling. So we have a lot of listeners. I'm, I don't have any kids and I'm not married, but I do have a lovely girlfriend. But as a family man, as someone who's got responsibilities, how has it been to balance, balance that piece while also working on your venture full time and losing that safety net? Yeah, that that was the thing that was the most daunting for me. I have two uh, two small girls. One's uh, three. The other one's like 18 months now. So I got two small girls, my wife, and I'm got a mortgage and business loan I got to make payments on and like all of these things. I'm like, all right, so this is it. I have to do it. Yeah. Game on. It's it. So to everybody so, supportive though, it's just been just yeah. you know, family, family business. I, I think that, you know, especially my wife knows like if I want something, I go out and get it. <laughs> and like, that's just kind of how it has always been. Um, I don't let little things get in my way. Some people get burned out and they just stop doing whatever it is because it's daunting for them or whatever. When it's challenging, that's when I thrive. You know, like if it's easy, I don't want it. No, sometimes we need that external push. You got to have your, <laughs> you know, your feet to the fire to kind of create greatness. You know, you got to be up against it right. sometimes. And sometimes you got to create it yourself. It's not going to be easy because that, that pressure also forces you to like fight or flight you know sure yeah but but calculated risks again don't quit your job today right so um yeah go out there make your calculated risks and uh know yourself you have to know yourself if you if if you paint yourself in this image that is kind of idealistic and you're just lying to yourself man it's not gonna work (laughs) so so what's next for you uh, what's next for me? Um, as far as the business, I'm working on some contracts right now, trying to get that done. Um, I had a white paper to DC last week and trying to get a little bit more traction with what it is that I'm doing with OD Greens and the uh, telework assessment and you know, trying to do a little bit more of that direct work that maybe the government entities aren't ready to take on themselves yet. Understood. So we got our audience here. You got your ear. What takeaways do you want to leave them with? 
any book recommendations, podcasts, you know, they're kind of stuck and they're thinking about making moves, you know, what kind of tools do you want to give them to empower them on the journey? All right. I'm a Jocko Willink junkie. Um, you know, so his podcast, fantastic. Um, there's mental health in there. He has Jordan Peterson on a lot. Uh, Jordan Peterson gives a really good perspective through the mental health lens. Uh, and Jocko is just a fantastic interviewer and, um, He's got a real good perspective on things. Um, Extreme Ownership, obviously, that book is fantastic. Um, Simon Sinek, I mean, I already mentioned him. Anything um, that, that he's written is good. I started with, what was the, the picture book he did? Does it start with the why? No, no, no. It was like a, a picture book. I, I, I'm drawing a blank right now, but I'm not a big re- reader, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so to sit down and read, I need like four words on a page. Yeah. Army. Yeah, you know. I do 30 minutes. I try to do 30 minutes a day of reading, but I do a lot of audiobooks too. I'm not gonna Yeah, audiobooks the way to go. So um yeah. Extreme ownership, definitely. Um anything by Simon Sinek, yeah. Begin with the why, that's good. Okay. Um yeah, and Jocko's podcast for sure. Gotta listen to little Jocko. You know, sometimes back in the day, it was a little, I'm a little bit more laid back now. When I first got out and I had my shaved head, shaved <laughs> you know, just, man, just lifting all kind of weights and stuff. I would get intense off Jocko. But now I'm yeah. a little more laid back, man. I need, you know, I'm chilling now. So I got to kind of balance that aggressive energy. Well, it, it, and I think that one of the, the podcasts or little clips that he has might have been my first experience with him. It was the one good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Now I watch that clip. I do watch his little 16 minute clips. And that's it. You know, I mean that that is a perfect take on it. So when things aren't going right, don't get all bummed out. Don't just, you know, lose sight of what your long goal is to say, okay, good. You know, if it was easy, everybody would do it. I like a challenge. Good. Make it difficult. So then, you know, the rewards are even better. Yeah, absolutely. So in the Marine Corps, you know, we're on the firing line and we shoot. And then afterwards, they say, any save rounds? Do you fire up those last <laughs> rounds? What save rounds do you have for our audience? What closing remarks would you like to leave them with to inspire them on their journey? Yeah, uh, I think don't go at it alone. Pair up with somebody, Bunker Labs, Score Mentor. Um, uh, EBV is another good resource out there. That's Entrepreneurial Boot Camp for Veterans. Um, that's through Syracuse University. There's a cohort that they do. Um, team up with somebody. Get your network of people that are out there, maybe on on different legs of the path, but on the same path that you want to be on um, and and work together on this. So um, yourself, um, Brett from Backpacks for Life. Yep. um, Friend of mine, Joe Zaletta. Joe, I met at. uh, Yeah, man, uh, Black Six Coffee. That's my guy. Yeah, Black Six Coffee. Yeah, for sure. Great guy. Great mission again. Um, just creating these networks, that is probably the most important thing to do because those guys, you all keep me in check and you keep me motivated to continue to do the things that I'm, I set out to do. And I I hope vice versa, you know, so Uh, don't go at it alone. You heard, you heard it from the man. This man is out here in the fight. He's in the trenches. OD greens, Don, where can people get a hold of you? Uh, Don at odgreens.com. Uh, always shoot me an email. Um, go to my website, check it out. If you're in the Cleveland, Ohio area, you can see me at the Willoughby Farmers Market Saturdays, 8 to noon. Uh, drop by, say hello. Be sure to also check out his Instagram because he's got a lot of dope photos <laughs> and a lot of healthy looking greens for you. Can people order online or no? You don't ship across. 
Yeah, they can order online, but it's local pickup only. So understood. Well, appreciate yep. appreciate you, Dom, for sitting down with us and sharing those words of wisdom. For our listeners out there, be sure to subscribe to The Transition on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening service you're using today. And uh, leave us a review. We greatly appreciate it. If you want to get plugged into the Bunker Labs ecosystem, visit www.bunkerlabs.org. Select the city nearest to you. Sign up for the local newsletter and attend one of our networking events. It's that simple. From there, be sure to get connected at bunkeronline.org, where you can learn about our many different programs to support your entrepreneurial journey. We have programs that will take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. Whatever your entrepreneurial needs are, we're here to help. Until next time, again, thanks for tuning in. Peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.